In this episode of Simplicity, I ventured down to the elementary school tower uh, to have a conversation with the entire fifth grade. Uh, their topic, leadership. And they really wanted to understand what a director does in a school like this. Stay tuned. This is Zimplicity. places, a similar term would be superintendent or CEO. It's like the head person in an organization. There's lots of terms, right? Um, you know principal, right? Yeah. But that's just for elementary. So I'm over the top of that and I've got a couple of principals and a couple of VPs and department heads and other people who report to me and so I sit on the top of the organization. Does anyone know what a hierarchy is? What? Do you know what the word hierarchy is? What's hierarchy? So like a different level of power. A different level of power. See, I knew the definition was in the room. So if it's like there's this chart, right? And I sit at the top of the chart, and then there's lines that go down to the next level. And then there's lines that go out of those people who go down to the next level, and then they go down to the next level, and all the way down to, guess what? You. Yeah, you're at the very bottom of the chart. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good place to be. Because what that means is, there's all these people above you that are taking care of you. It's like, that's a lot of caretakers. When you're home, you have your own hierarchy. Who's above you at home? Parents. There you go. <laughs> is there a grandparent above that? And do they try to insert influence on your parents in yes, terms of what yes, they do with you? Yes. Another hierarchy. It's built into the way we live and the way we do things. Hold the question. I'm going to come back to you in just a minute. All right. So I sit at the top of the hierarchy. I have somebody above me. The owner of the school. Not, not truly. Your it's parents. a little bit. This is why I said there's a complicated story here. So there is a board of directors. The board of directors is comprised of people who are either appointed or voted into their position to represent you. So they stand in for you and your parents. Your parents are part of this as well. They stand in for you. They represent you. They're not all elected, but some of them are. And as a group, they own the school. But really, since they're representing you, who owns the school? All of you. All of you. It's called the school association. And all of your parents are members. So you are members because your parents are members. 
and because you're students here, and your parents are members because they pay the tuition. Sometimes their company does, but they pay it. And so they're members of the school association. They help determine who sits on the board. So the board is 12 people that represent your parents. They own the school. Now, there's lots of relationships between the school and other things. One of the key ones is the school is very connected to the US Embassy. The school exists right now because of the US Embassy. Do you know why? They founded the school in 1953. And so the US Embassy founded the school. And as part of its documents, part of its bylaws, the things that make it exist, there's a clause in there that says that the US ambassador, the US ambassador is the honorary chair of the board. So in essence, stay with me, I told you it was complicated. In essence, the ambassador from the United States to Poland is my ultimate boss. Okay, I'm gonna say it one more time so you get it. The ambassador to Poland from the United States is my boss. Now, Ambassador Mossbacker is a really nice person. I've met her, but she really doesn't do day-to-day -day stuff about the school at all. But she gives it to the she gives her power to the board of directors, and they manage the school for her. But if you read our bylaws, the ambassador is the honorary chair of the board of trustees. So she is ultimately in charge, above me. Now, the board is only a governance board. So they don't deal with day-to-day -day stuff. If somebody has to take out the trash, it's not the board telling that person to do it. Who's telling that person to do it? That's my job. The board delegates to me as their only true employee. I'm the only employee of the board. And they delegate to me hiring everybody else and doing all the other jobs. Now, do I take the trash out? No. no. I hire people to do that. Why? <laughs> because that's how, that's how companies and organizations work. They either hire or appoint people to do the jobs that the organization needs to do. So I have to do, I have to make sure that everybody does their jobs in order for everything to run smoothly and efficiently. So I delegate. So there's your first thing that's really important in my role is delegation, okay? That's the most important thing I do. I delegate things to other people. I tell principals what I want them to have charge of, I tell department heads what they should be charged with. I tell janitors what they should be in charge of. I tell teachers what they should be in charge of. And ultimately, I tell you what you should be in charge of. Because I stand up in front of you on a regular basis and say, what? Four values, things you need to learn, work hard, be studious. I inspire you, right? Tell me I'm right. Make me feel better. <laughs> inspire, go. Okay, that's part of the role. As I delegate, I inspire, 
I help you find the pathway to accomplishing the things we need to accomplish. How do I tell you what to do? I work with people at the top to decide what your mission, your vision, and your core values are. And then I say, let me now, watch this, let me get out of your way, and you go do that. Now, when your teacher's teaching you, when it's something you need to know, they're telling you and they're watching you and making sure you practice, right? So that's part of your time in school, right? Is teacher tells you what to look at, tells you what to read, checks to make sure you understand it. But there's another big part of your time at school. And that's the time where you're figuring it out for yourself. Where you've got the ideas, but you have to work together. You have to collaborate. You have to take notes. You have to figure out how to make sense of things. You have to figure out how to put it together. And what do teachers do when that happens? They get out of the way. They give you the basics, and then they get out of the way, and they say, go to work. See what you can come up with. See what you can write. See what you can create. Art, stories, the complex math problems, applications. Those are all things you do on your own because of what you've been taught. Well, that's what I do at the school level, is I make sure people have the basics, and then I empower them, and I say, now, you know the parameters, everything in the middle is yours. You go figure it out. And you, and you know what? Everybody rises to that challenge, and always tries to do their best to get the best results possible. And that is, in my mind, how you lead, and how you drive an organization to accomplish things they might not have been able to do had you just been about controlling. So like you can control things, right? When you have a radio car and you've got a remote control, you control everything that car does, right? Right? But when you play some of the games you play, you can't control everything. You have to react to things because there's different random things happening in the game and you have to figure out how to, how to play it in a different way. That's different. That's less control. Now you have to figure it out. So we want less control so that you can figure things out. And that's the way we lead. All right. So board, me, everybody else, and then there's financial structures. So... Almost all the school's funding comes from tuition. Yeah, parents. So they pay tuition for you to attend school here. It all goes into a budget, and the budget then spends. It spends on lights. It spends on fixing windows. It spends on carpet. It spends on books, materials, pens, paper, pencils, all of that, and laptops and technology. So there's a lot of complex things that the budget goes towards to make sure that the school can operate. And so one of my roles under the board is to manage the budget. 23 million US dollars. Whoa. That's a lot. Think about it. Exactly, yeah. All together. Everything. 23 million. Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> okay, now. 
right, because this next one's going to blow you away. So of that 23 million, you know percents? Yes. So 70 percent. What is that? It's about three fourths of the budget, right? It's going to this is going to really throw you. 70 percent pays for people, salaries. It goes to salaries. What we pay teachers, what we pay maintenance people, what we pay because people earn salaries, right? In order to do jobs, they earn salaries. Seventy percent of the budget for the workers. Seventy percent, roughly. It's actually like sixty-seven point two. Question. No, thirty percent is light, paper, carpet, windows, cleaning. I'm one of the seventy percent. Yeah, I'm just one in the mix. Don't let that sink in for a second. Okay, there's a there's a question here. I think it's going to be a good one. You probably should listen to it. You know, a better way to picture it is it's kind of two pyramids that meet in the middle. So there's a pyramid like this, and the board is at the bottom of the pyramid at the point, and everybody, like all the people in the school, are above there. Okay? So, right, so think about it. Hold on, stay with me. So that's the, that's the school association. All the people down to the board. Then there's another pyramid touching it at the point at the top, and I'm the top of that pyramid. And everybody below me on that pyramid is all the workers of the school. And that's where 70% of the budget goes. Does that make sense? Yep, to the people. And 30 for supplies? To the workers, yep. And 30 for supplies? Huh? 30 for supplies? Everything else. I'm going to say everything else because that includes your laptops, your hardware, your lights, your, your water, your uh, pencils, paper, notebooks, uh, textbooks. Uh, light bulbs, um, what else? Okay. Oh, wait, wait, listen. Wait, listen. Huh? Everybody, everybody who works here has a salary. I'm, I'm in charge of the money. Yeah. I'm just one of those people in that 70%. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Now, somebody mentioned cafeteria and food. This it's not part of it. Oh. Separate system. Cafeteria is a contractor, and so they get their money from where? Us. From there. From you. You're paying the cafeteria to eat lunch. And they take that money, and they pay their people and buy the food to prepare. So it's separate from the school, not related at all. There's another one that's separate. Bus. Buses are not part of the school. It's outside. Parents pay them directly. You ride the bus. Your, your relationship is directly with them. We just let them come on the campus so that they can park close. That's, not, that's it. Cafeteria, we just give them a space so they can cook your lunch. Right? 
but they're separate systems. They're not under the pyramid. Do I still manage them? Yes. Yes. Because they have an impact on us, right? Lunch is a big part of our day, right? I got to make sure that they do good food, that they do it at a decent price. We're working on that. <laughs> All right, so that, yes, I still oversee them, but it's not part of the financial pyramid. Does that make sense? All right, what else do you need to know? Hands, please. Go. Do you um, meet with the ambassadors a lot? No, occasionally. With ambassadors? Twice a year, usually. Yes. Uh, does the budget also go to field trips, or is it Yes, except for the amount that you pay extra sometimes for field trips when they go outside of budget. So sometimes people pay extra because it's a special trip for a small group. Like all of our CISA teams, parents help pay for that. Okay? Back. That's okay, I'll come back to you. Go. You know, salaries for everybody throughout the system are a private thing. And it's not something that's typically displayed out there. So I'm not at liberty to say, um, and then, you know, but I'll be honest and say to you, there are different levels of salaries based on level of responsibility. Salaries are based on that. So there is a different leveling on that pyramid all the way up to the top. So do I make the most in the organization? Yes, because I'm the most responsible. I'm also the most vulnerable because the board doesn't like me, I'm going on like that. <laughs> Go. Do I have three days? Occasionally, but not often. <laughs> so like today, I'm leaving at 3.30 to fly to Vienna with the board chair for governance training. So I'll be in governance training Saturday, Sunday. Two weeks ago, I was in Istanbul for the heads of school meeting. So I was in meetings Thursday through Saturday. I got Sunday off for a little bit, but then I was flying back. So, so and then other the weekends when I'm here, I'm monitoring volleyball, helping with the dance, doing other things. So, like one weekend a month, on average, I take time for myself. Yeah. Uh, we will be working in leadership squads for the next few weeks, and we will be making a lot of decisions. So, uh, we are curious, what leadership qualities help you make good decisions? So, I believe strongly. You may want to put your paper down and just really listen. This is tricky stuff. This is leadership stuff. So I, I study leadership. There's two basically different kinds of leadership. One kind of leadership is called transactional. It means I tell you to do something, you either do or don't do it, and then I react to that based on what you do. That's transactional. I believe in transformational leadership. Transformational means we have a relationship. It means I know you, I know what your interests are, I know what it is you want to accomplish in life, I know what you want to become, and I know how to speak to you because I know you, and then I can inspire you to do the things that we all need to do together. That's transformational, it's where you make sure that every individual person is able to achieve their goals, and by doing so, 
the whole organization achieves its goal. You find synergy in purpose. So you do things to lay out a plan, but you give lots of freedom within the plan to bring your own talents to the table. That's transformational leadership. Okay? That, can you see how that's different from transactional? Transactional is just, I tell you to do something, if you do it, I pay you, if you don't, I don't, and then we're done. That's a transaction. Versus transformational, which is about, we're all in this together. We're trying to accomplish great things. We're trying to change the world for the better. I've already heard that before. Change the world for the better. It's our mission statement. It's core to who we are and what we want to be. Now, doesn't that sound good? Changing the world for the better? Yeah. And you guys are going to be the ones in charge of that. Because yeah. you're going to change the world. So it's transformational. Transformational is more about you. And you find out how to do more than you ever thought you could. That's transformational. You find out in the process that you can do more than you ever thought you could. That's like going to a counter and paying for a coffee. Yeah, yeah, how is it called? How is it called? Transactional. No. All the money that the school earns goes back to any school. Yep, non-profit we call that. The non-profit. Yes, all the time. And I have to think about them long and hard. The difficult decisions are decisions about individual kids who are struggling or having problems or really not knowing what to do. And those are the toughest ones. You have to take a lot of time to consider all aspects of a decision. So that's different from transformational and transactional. Let's put that aside. When you're making tough decisions, it's weighing a lots of factors before reaching a decision. So the main message there is, you, in those situations, you can't make quick decisions. And you have to be willing, get this, you have to be willing to change your mind. You have to be willing to change your mind. You have to be willing to flex with the circumstances because the world is complex, it is not simple. Simple decisions do not solve problems. Not particularly the most difficult problems. So you have to be ready to listen and think and change your mind if the data and the information tell you that that's what's best. Sir, go ahead. So out of all the people, which one do you think Ambassador empowers the director to do that. She's an honorary chair. She knows that her governance role is limited. She's my boss, yes, but they empower the director to drive the school. Here. Say again.
25% of our budget is in a reserve account. So if there's any kind of situation where we have extra costs, we've got an emergency reserve that we can use. By the way, everybody should be doing that for themselves and their families. Now, your piggy bank, you should take 25% and put it in a separate piggy bank that you never touch. You can spend the main piggy bank, but you don't touch the emergency piggy bank until no, you, you absolutely need to. Yes, I do. Most people do. Not everybody. Here. I technologically manage this. Let's see who's birthday this year. I just have to turn it on. Hold on. Uh, it's nobody's birthday today, but tomorrow it's uh, Miss Podleska. And Miss Casper in the TLC. So a TA and uh, Miss Secretary. <laughs> and yesterday, guys. All right, wait, 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 one at a time. Mr. Jordan. Going back to what Yasmin asked, there's those decisions that are difficult. Yes. What guides you Experience, knowledge, learning, background, um, family values, ethics. There's lots of things that go into it. What you're learning in school right now will guide your decisions 20 years from now. I still remember to this day when I sold milk as a fifth grader in an elementary school, not unlike this one, and I was responsible. No, no, I sold milk because that was what we did at school. And I, and then I gathered the money. I was responsible for making sure it got turned in. And I learned a lot through that responsibility. I still think about that to this day, 40 years later, 50, 65. <laughs> so you, you do not, you guys do not fathom that you will remember this room, this day, 20 years from now. Some piece of it will pop into your head and will guide a decision you make. I guarantee it. I know well. And you know what it might be? It might be the girl that over here noticed that I wear crazy socks. And she's going to think about that 20 years from now and say, boy, I think I like that idea. I think I'm going to wear crazy socks too. And now that I've told everybody that, a bunch more of you are going to think about that 20 years from now. So to answer Mr. Jordan's question, I'm not sure where I get the input for making tough decisions, but I know it's lots of stuff. <laughs> and it's a lot of it is experience and things that I've done over time. There, at this point, at this point in my life, there's not a lot I haven't already
not a lot. I haven't experienced at some point in time. Now, of course, the minute I say that, I'm going to walk out that door and something's going to happen that's new. <laughs> and it's going it's to be challenging. But experience and listening and learning from things is your tool for the future. You will change the world for the better because of what you experience here. I know that. I know that. Go. Um, what's your favorite countries in your book? Oh, gosh. You know, I had a thing that popped up on the screen the other day uh, because I tracked my travel, and I've been to like 71 countries. Wow. And I've done 390,000 air miles. That's a lot of miles. Um, I like China. Um, my wife is from China. And I spent the bulk of my, a big chunk of my career in China, about 10 years altogether. And I just have always loved China. That's not to say I don't love the United States where I'm from. I love, I love the United States. But China would be my favorite travel to destination. I really love China. I love going back. I love the food. I love the people. I love the ambiance and the history. I love the Great Wall to the Hong Kong Harbor. It's just an amazing place. Yeah, I've been all those places. Yeah. Go. How many years have you in this school? Three years and three months. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Ask me how long I've been a teacher. How long have you been a teacher? I've been a teacher since 1982. What? I'm going to let you do the math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. So who came up with the number? What was it? 37 years. Yep. I think I will be in education for a total of 40 years. Or more. Uh, that's my plan. And I say teacher. Hey, by the way, I say teacher. This is important. I say teacher because in every role I have ever had, whether leadership or classroom, I consider myself to always be a teacher. So I love doing things like this because I've always been a teacher. I am always, I am a lifelong teacher. By the way, before 1982, I was teaching swimming lessons and doing teaching, so it's yes. even longer than that. <laughs> Go. Back in the window. Yep. A couple more, and then I think you guys should. There is a new, you're, you're getting advanced notice on this. Shh, don't tell anybody. 
project nest is going to open this. And there are light bulbs in there for you to put ideas of strategic projects, things that we might consider doing. And you'll be able to put your ideas and reflect on other people's ideas. That is flipping the pyramid. Oh, I didn't hear you. I heard noise here. I couldn't hear you. Say again. Hiring teachers, they have to have a minimum of two years of experience, and we have accreditation standards that we have to meet. So people have to have training in their areas and have to have experience, and they get interviewed and chosen based on their experience. Yes? as far as Bangkok and Boston, and sometimes San Francisco. Some app, we're not a selective enrollment school, 
But if kids come to us, this is one of the toughest decisions I make, is if a kid comes and they have lots of needs that we can't support, it's not good for the child to put them in an environment where they won't succeed. And so there are times where we'll decide that student can't come to the school because we just don't have the services for them to help them succeed. Which one, him or her, he or her, him or her stay? They go to a different school, or they get special support, or they go someplace else. It's just, it's, there, is a, there is a bottom line of being able to support kids. We can do most. We're not selective enrollment. We don't just look for the best and brightest. So this is a good mix, right? But there are going to be some kids, very few, doesn't happen very often, but there are going to be some kids at the bottom that we just can't serve. We can't make it successful. So in my three years, three months, I've had to make the decision three times. Yes, ma'am. Again, it, it would have to be not just bad grades. It has to be more, I have a special learning need and we don't have the people to help them. So it's not just about grades. In fact, we have a good mix of people from a grade point of view. But you guys all know, grades don't tell the whole story. They don't, they're not your number one most important thing. We don't make the decision there. We, we look deeply at the records. We make sure we know the kids really well before we make that decision. Remember I said earlier, never make quick decisions. You gotta dig deeply into something when it's a tough decision. If I go that one, there's gonna be another one, but go ahead. <laughs> So as you can see, it was a pretty robust conversation with grade five and some tremendously uh, detailed questions. They really wanted to dig into this uh, idea of leadership and how it emerges in the context of a school. I just received the thank you notes from the class and wanted to do a shout out to them uh, and to all of their teachers in grade five. One that uh, hit me here was thank you for talking to us about leadership. I enjoy listening to the system of the school um, and many other comments like that uh, in a nice stack of wonderful pictures and uh, tremendous thank you for uh, having our time together. Um, looking forward to coming back to you with other recordings in the near future, other episodes. If you have an idea for an episode for Zimplicity, please reach out to me and I'm happy to consider additional ideas as I bring these thoughts and these presentations to the school community. That's it for this episode of Zimplicity. <laughs>